SEO is AEO, welcome to the show, Bill Slowski. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> right, lovely to meet you for, for, the, for the listeners. There's a, quite a lot of noise behind for people talking Arab. Uh, we're in a boulangerie, a bakery in the middle of Saint-Denis in France at 7 o'clock in the morning after SEO count. This is absolutely brilliant. There's a coffee machine keeps going off. Uh, keep people coming and chat to the guy. Um, that's just setting the scene because we're having a good laugh here. Yeah, Bill? It's a good atmosphere. I love going to uh, breakfast in the morning in bakeries. <laughs> and this, this is a bit, of a, a bit of a different bakery to you get in San Diego, yeah? It's not too much different. Oh, right, okay. There are a few like this, yeah. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> so you, you don't feel too kind of away from home, you're feeling very much at and, home. And this reminds me more of one I used to go to when I lived in Virginia. Okay. It was the Red Truck Bakery. The uh, owner of the baker owned a red truck and he used to cater events. He'd drive up in the red truck okay. and oh, he hand, took out, a long hand, time. Out, hand out bread and pastries, right. <laughs> yeah, so the Red Truck Bakery, he thought long and hard about the name of his bakery. Yeah, yeah he had a red truck and parked out. <laughs> I was talking place. to Lawrence yesterday and he was uh -huh. thinking, he was looking for examples of something and there was a lemon tree right next to it. So all the examples were lemons. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, that's what, but we all have tendency to do that. We look around yeah. and, and my idea is the name of the street or swimming pool. When I started my website, SEO by the Sea, I was sitting in the second floor window in an office in Haverty Grace, Maryland, watching sails bouncing up and down on the Chesapeake Bay. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, and so the SEO by the Sea is your blog right. and your company is Go Fish Digital, so it's all terribly... It's, see, it's, it's not my company, it's a company of a couple of friends who I met at a meetup like 10 years ago or so. Oh, okay. I, I was speaking on named entities. Oh, that, that, that sounds terribly probable, yeah. Yeah. In when, when, sorry? 2007. Okay, so 10 years before I even knew what they were. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, and the, the, when we were talking earlier on, I'd like to get on to something a bit more professional. Is, uh, okay. you, you look into patents, we all know that. Bill Slowski, the patents guy. Uh, I'm very thankful to you, as I said earlier on, that you read them so I don't have to. Um, I assumed it was just because you're a lawyer and that's kind of the connection, but in fact it's not, is it? Can you tell me? Okay, I was an undergraduate English major and one of the professors I really appreciated the advice of used to teach a, uh, or taught me a class in uh, deconstruction of literature. Yeah. And so it was the idea of reading something, looking at all the parts, all everything that made it what it was, and combine that with the homework we used to do in law school, which is taking judicial opinions breaking them down into like nine different parts mm -hmm. or types of things, it's a habit I developed from years yeah. of school uh, to read something, try to break it down in parts. Patents are really easy. Yeah. They, they identify a problem. Mm -hmm. They tell you about the prior art involved that is used to solve it yeah. and why that's sometimes insufficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, then they tell you we have a solution, and here's what it is. Here's what we're doing, and oh. that's that's what a patent does. 
Brilliant. Oh, that, that's, that sounds incredibly simple. I mean, I, I look at them and I'm just going, I can't dig through all this stuff. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you think about the structure of it, it becomes presumably much easier. Um, and and your, your combination of English and law is absolutely right. perfect. And, and you're looking at specific patents by specific people because you recognize their style. Some of them write differently than others. Some of them are very predictable. They, uh, you know, understand the difference between an F. Scott Fitzgerald and a, a Ernest Hemingway. They write in very different styles. Ernest Hemingway writes in uh, what you would call an iceberg style, where you just see the very top of what he's writing. Yeah. Most of it's under the water. Okay, yeah. It's sort of assumed. Okay. He, he expects you to know things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, William Faulkner is a stream of consciousness writer. He mm. just spouts out lots and lots and lots of thoughts. Endless streams of words that paint pictures of things. Uh, okay. So he's not hiding everything under the world like Hemingway does. Yeah. But same thing with, with writers of patents. Some of them will very straightforward tell you, these are the advantages of following the process in this patent. Mm. The next, uh, the, a big list of 10, 12, 15 things. Yeah. This is why you should do it. Yeah. Not all of them do that. Okay. Brilliant stuff. I'm, 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 I'm learning all about patents. And, and there's somebody out there who writes patents in an earnest Hemingway kind of a way. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I love that. So, I mean, I've been, I've been reading your articles for, for a while. Yeah. And you, you gave a talk yesterday at SEO Camp. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the whole SEO Camp. Uh, event was brilliant yeah it was fun yeah yeah you enjoyed it I'm, I, that was a bit of a leading question because you couldn't <laughs> really say no could you you listed 17 patents at the beginning but you actually only talked about five or six yeah i think there's ways of providing evidence or proof or provenance of something being more likely true than that yeah one of them is when a patent is released and there are lots of related patents on the yeah. same topic, the same subject. Not exactly the same thing, but they work well together. Yeah. And it's as if somebody had a lot of thoughts mm. that were uh, combined together towards some idea. Yeah. Uh, so the first one of those that I listed of the 17 was one that sort of the root of local search at Google. Okay. The fact that uh, they gain information about local entities, mm. and that's not how most people talk about local search, but local entities uh, from sources like local directories mm. or data aggregators or yeah. enterprise websites. Yeah. And if the facts about those local entities is consistent from one source to another to another, it's more likely than not that that information is correct, it's true. Yeah. They're sort of like uh, corroborating evidence yeah. Yeah. based upon consistency across the web. I, I which, love the Which word. is something they're doing with entities, with attributes, yeah. with bad, uh, properties of, of those entities. If, if they can be consistent across the web, they're uh, more likely to use that information in answers in uh, search results. Yeah, I, the, the name of the guy escaped me, now Amazon, who brought out a machine learning company, and he was saying that Google Maps is a great example of a functioning knowledge graph. Um, <laughs> it is. And yeah, and, and the idea that with, with all the data that they're getting in and the, peop the people checking, the fact checking, they can actually 
answer queries that have never been asked before in terms of directing people to somewhere. Is that Google fair? acquired a company called Zipdash, and okay. Zipdash uh, developed the idea of using GPS data from different devices to track traffic. Okay. okay. When did they so acquire them? It was in the mid 2000s. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah. they've had time to yeah get it right. <laughs> So I think to a degree, Apple is doing that too. Ooh. So you're driving along uh, someplace you've been to before, you turn on your navigation and Google Maps Navigator will tell you that there's a traffic delay. Yeah. Give you a chance to like turn off the road and take an alternate route, yeah. which is really convenient. Well, I use, I use uh, Google Maps Navigation for places I've go to, I've gone to before, I yeah. know how to get to, just because of that feature. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I do too, and I've got so used yeah. to it that, that when it gets it wrong, I get really annoyed with it. <laughs> and I was with Hugo, who's the colleague I was playing music with, uh, yeah. who you met, um, and we were in Leon. They said, "Don't leave now because it'll take at least two hours." Uh, and the, but we said, oh, we'll leave anyway because we just want to get going. And we used Google Maps and we went through this incredibly tortuous little route. <laughs> we could see the traffic jams on the flyovers all around. And the same car was behind us the whole way. Yeah. And I kind of said, you must be looking at Google Maps. And Google has pushed us through this, this route. That presumably then gets blocked up and then it pushes other people it's, through another one. It's interesting how maps will route you around problems. And I'm, I'm used to driving to the same places using maps, different routes almost every time. Mm. And I'm assuming it's because they've identified what they think is the best route. Yeah. If you, uh, I have a little uh, holder for my phone that I can put right on top of the dash. Ooh. So I can see where it indicates you can turn off and it'll be three minutes slower. Yeah. Oh, no, three minutes faster, yeah. It's, and I remember you've got an old car, that's right, isn't it? No, no, I, it's not that old. It's a uh, 2004. Oh, okay. I, I, can't, I can't remember why I thought you said you had this really old jalopy. <laughs> okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering, so I better be careful. I think. So how, can, how far can we take that idea that Google Maps is a knowledge graph? I, I refer to businesses as local entities. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to refer to as that. Yeah. If, if there, there are ways to think about uh, maps as very similar to the web. Mm. In that Googlebot crawls the web, mm. uh, Google Maps has street view cars that mm. crawl the earth and yeah. map things and yeah. so on. You can make a lot of analogies between yeah. uh, both types of search and I, I consider there being at least two different types of search going on at Google. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, a web-based crawling of mm. links and redirects and yeah. so on and, and trying to understand uh, uh, the words that are in text on pages and being able to index those. Uh, there's a, a inverted index of terms on, on the web that you may try to match with queries, uh, which is very different from uh, a knowledge base, a knowledge graph type approach where you're looking for specific entities and you're asking questions about properties and values, attributes related to those. Yeah. And, and Google maybe crawls that layer of the web 
and visits schema and tries to understand how everything's connected. Brilliant stuff. Ooh, I'm going to have to listen back to this, <laughs> this interview to actually get all this in my brain. Um, you, you said I, I, inverted queries. What does that in, mean? I'm in, sorry. I'm, I'm an inverted index. Oh, okay. an inverted index. Sorry. So an inverted index is Google understands where all the terms are. Okay. On, on pages. It, it indexes those. Where this is interesting is there's uh, another inverted index of phrases on the web. Okay. So there's, there's uh, in 2003, uh, Anna Patterson, some, somebody who most people don't know about, but she built the largest search engine of the 21st century. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> it was called Recall. It was a demo search engine to uh, enable people to search the Internet Archive and all the different yearly, monthly versions of pages. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it indexed billions of pages. Google acquired the demo that she had of Recall on Internet Archive yeah. and then hired her a couple of weeks later. Ah, brilliant. Because <laughs> we, yeah, we, we were talking, sorry, it, it is very slightly uh, related to Gennaro about there's a, there's a page with the, the Google graveyard of all the, all the stuff it's bought and killed off. Yeah. Well, I love that Google's, Google's acquired a lot of businesses yeah. too. Uh, it's acquired some uh, for the technology they produced, and it's developed some of that technology. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like like Zipdash, I mentioned. Yeah. With with traffic, right? Uh, Grouptivity, uh, which had social circles like Google Plus. They use the phrase "fail fast." Oh, okay, brilliant, yeah. Which you will now say, if you're going to fail, fail it fast, get rid of it and move on to something else. Right. Yeah, I'm glad I understood that. I'm, I'm feeling very clever now. We were actually not supposed to be talking about that stuff. Uh, you're talking about the patents, you were talking about yesterday's extracting data yeah. from the web. Um, I mean, you and I both cite Luna Dong a lot. How, how well are Google doing now at that? Because, I mean, I, I kind of get this dream that they're doing incredibly well. Are they? I'm not sure because I really have little to compare it to. Uh, I, I see some of the things that Bing is doing. And Bing is, I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, they're very dysfunctional. Or I mentioned to somebody yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Might have been Hugo, he looks a bit like me. And that's why you're getting confused. <laughs> so Microsoft Research develops stuff that they don't necessarily share with Bing. Oh, right. Right. There's a huge knowledge graph that Microsoft Research developed that got abandoned. And nobody picked it up until maybe a year and a half after it was abandoned. Microsoft developed an entity database, an API, uh, that picks up on that concept database, that knowledge graph that uh, Bing had developed. Bing also had an object level search in 2007. Oh, really? Sorry, I'm also thinking, how do you remember all these dates and names? Go on. So their object-level search was, uh, they, they expressed it, they showed, showed it off, and there was an academic search with papers and uh, publishers and so on, that they were collecting information about who the publisher was, who the authors were, what the papers were, what their titles were. It was all fact-type stuff. Wow. They were treating the papers as entities. 
Okay. Okay. So they did the same type of thing with products, MSN product search, which uh, was was a, a entity based type thing. It was a knowledge graph. Oh right. It was okay. an ob object level search. So none of this is new. No. <laughs> uh, I thought I was coming in right at the beginning, but, but I'm not. But, but this is Microsoft Research or Microsoft Research Asia developing yeah. some of this stuff, and then. Having it out there, having been not developing it, not yeah. not doing anything with it, yeah, which is like, why are you so dysfunctional? Yeah, do 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 you think they kind of missed the boat? They've missed opportunities by by being dysfunctional. I see a lot of uh, Microsoft or people who were Microsoft researchers now working at Google. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they go to Google because Google pays more or because Google's more interesting or because Google moves forwards faster? Google's employing people. Oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> Google needs them and so they're willing Microsoft to was laying people off. Google was employing people. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Oh, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, so I was looking for the complicated solution. In fact, the simple <laughs> one is, is, is the best. And, and same happened with, with Yahoo, to agree. You have people like Andrea Broder, who was a brilliant researcher. Yeah, and he uh, was producing stuff for Yahoo. He he was the one who came up with different levels of intent behind searches, like uh, informational, transactional, and yeah. navigational. Okay, right. brilliant. So he he's now at Google. Cool. So I mean, but all these people have these great ideas at Yahoo, Microsoft. Microsoft let them go, and Yahoo let them go. <laughs> Google pick them up, yeah. and then we all think it comes from Google. <laughs> There's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas between search engines and different people uh, performing different jobs in search engines. Uh, like the search engineers may have backgrounds in information retrieval Ooh. and some may have backgrounds in uh, user interfaces and they work together in projects and they learn from each other. Brilliant stuff. I mean, this, this, this conversation was supposed to be about extracting knowledge and it's actually turned into patents and, and the history of, of, of entities in search from yeah. 2007 was the first day I can remember. It probably goes back before that. It probably goes back before that. The uh, Google Maps was the first patent from the annotation framework, set of 17. Uh, that was 2005. Okay. So, so and you, you not remember, remember the names? You remember the numbers of these things as well. That's it, a brilliant memory you've got. It's. Uh, I'm jealous. You ever do uh, jigsaw puzzles? Uh, yeah, badly. Okay, so one of the strategies behind building a jigsaw puzzle is you look for the corner pieces, remembering the dates of patents of certain when certain things happen helps you put everything into perspective and bigger framework. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, you, you remember the date and then you hook it onto the information. Right, so PageRank came out in 1998. Uh, in 1999, Sergey Brin came out with the patent, or a provisional patent. It never got granted, never got... Uh, it involved an algorithm he called DPRI, uh, which has something to do with uh, understanding patterns and relationships between things. He had a list of five books yeah. And he said, okay, the book, the book title, uh, the author of the book, the publisher, the uh, length of the book, mm -hmm. uh, 
you said, okay, if we crawl the web, find these five books on a site, we'll want to crawl all the other books on the same site and make a big index. Okay. Okay. And then once we're done with that site, we'll look for those five books on other sites. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And he, uh, he chose five books that he thought were representative uh, of a good corpus, a good starting point. Uh, two of them are, three of them were science fiction books, so. Yeah. Wait, wait, that shows where he's coming from. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but his idea was if you start looking, and this was, my idea is this is his approach of building an entity uh, yeah, not so so, so it goes back to 1999. That's the earliest right. date we have now. We, start, we started at 2017 and moved all the way back to 1999 when right. Sergey Brin was, was starting with his, his books, including science fiction. Wow, brilliant. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Right. Uh, that's great. I, I think we can end it there because we, we've gone right back to the beginning. Thank you very much, Bill. SEO is AEO. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Jason. Brilliant stuff, man. <laughs>